It's now two years since Myanmar's military seized power from the democratically elected government of Aung San Suu Kyi on the 1st of February 2021. Last month, the United Nations Refugee Agency, UNHCR, reported that in 2022 there was a steep increase in deadly boat journeys in the Andaman Sea and Bay of Bengal as over 3,500 Rohingya refugees sought asylum. At least 348 people died or went missing at sea. The Rohingya are a stateless Muslim minority in Myanmar. Over a million Rohingya have fled persecution and over 940,000 now live in Bangladesh. Most left Myanmar's Rakhine state after violence broke out on the 25th of August 2017. The US government describes what occurred there as genocide. The persecution of Rohingya and the exodus from Myanmar has continued ever since. UNHCR warns that without a proper regional response, many more Rohingya will die on the high seas this year and beyond. Joining us to discuss this situation are Professor Dewi Fortuna Anwar, researcher at Indonesia's National Research and Innovation Agency. And Dewi joins us from Jakarta. Welcome, Dewi. Hi. Good morning from Jakarta. And we're also joined by John Joniad, a Rohingya refugee writer and activist who spent almost a decade stuck in Indonesia before becoming a permanent resident of Canada last year. And he recently co-founded the website humansinflight.org, which is a collection of pictures and first-hand narratives of people who've had to flee their homelands. Welcome, John. Thank you. Uh, Dewi, if I could start with you, could you please just give us an overview of the current situation facing Rohingya in Myanmar and Bangladesh? Well, in Myanmar, it's clearly it's difficult for everybody, let alone for people who are regarded uh, as stateless and not, not uh, you know, uh, legitimate citizens mm. of uh, Myanmar. So uh, everyone receives persecution from the military, you know, including including their own uh, Burmese uh, political leaders. But with Myanmar, uh, with the Rohingyas, as you know, even during the democratic government uh, under Aung San Suu Kyi's party, the genocide took place, you know, under her mm. watch, actually. So uh, we can imagine what the situation would be like for those remaining in the Rakhine state under the current hunter and uh, and, and the situations in the uh, refugee camps, you know, the largest refugee camps uh, in the world, as you can imagine, despite uh, assistance from aid agencies uh, providing food and, and waters and so on, you know, that's overcrowded and it's quite often the violence, you know, by, from security forces that, you know, that clearly, you know, that was the situations that have driven these desperate people to flee, uh, even facing death at sea and, you know, in the hands of people smugglers. Indeed. Uh, John, Johnny, could you tell us a little bit more about the, the current boat crisis and uh, whether you think sea journeys like those that UNHCR has described in the last 12 months are likely to continue or increase? What I would uh, I would say right now is that Rohingya are now officially a stateless people. They don't have any country, and they will never have a land or country to go back to. So that's what I would uh, tell the international community and the people around the world that you have to accept the reality of the Rohingya situation. Now they are officially a stateless. They should have 
a new uh, solution for for the for the existing Rohingyans and people living, uh, you know, as refugees in, in different countries. So coming back to the refugee situation in Bangladesh, uh, one of the reasons uh, we need to consider the reason and the causes why they are leaving the country and resorting themselves to this privileged journey and to the Ishumena smuggler who they knew that they are going to die. I wouldn't say they are seeking for better life. I would say they are fleeing another genocide, another mm. uh, human uh, you know, massacres in Bangladesh. I would say it's a, it's also a massacre happening against Rohingya in Bangladesh. Their situation is almost the same as Myanmar. Like, I would believe, you know, I think Myanmar government is also a part of genocide in them, you know, in, in, in Bangladesh as well, because from my observation, from my understanding, the governments, you know, they were, that was the military goal to get rid of all yes. the people from Rakhine State. Obviously, the vast majority of Rohingya who've fled Myanmar are in Bangladesh. But, Dewi, I wonder if you could give us a bit of a sense as well of how the uh, Rohingya exodus has affected the region more broadly and um, Indonesia in particular. As, as you know, Southeast Asian countries are the transit places uh, of uh, refugees uh, seeking better lives elsewhere. Uh, you know, in, in the Indo-Pacific region, Australia is clearly the uh, favourite destination, a signatory of uh, in convention of international convention on the refugees, and New Zealand and Canada and the United States are regarded as as the ultimate uh, destinations. But Southeast Asian countries are the transit places, and as you know, before before the Rohingyas refugees, there were the Afghans and you know people were refugees from the Middle East. So so the regions have, have created uh, what is called the Bali process, uh, co-chaired by Australia and Indonesia, created in 2002 to, re to respond to the that earlier influx of uh, refugees. And uh, in, during the Andaman crisis, you know, there, there was even more desertcy, but thousands and thousands of people fled. And could you just remind us uh, about what the Andaman crisis was back in, was that 2015? Yes. So so if, if you remember, if you cast your mind back, you know, that there's the worst crisis that happened in our region when thousands of people fled the refugee camps in, and, and then uh, they went on uh, by boats, you know, assisted by uh, people smugglers. And many were lost at sea and uh, countries in the region were not very willing in the beginning to assist them. Uh, you know, they are neighboring countries like from Thailand, from Malaysia, pushed the boats back to sea. In the end, it's the uh, uh, the one who took up, who became the heroes were the fishermen in Aceh, you know, who uh, decided to assist despite the fact that the uh, security forces uh, uh, were not very helpful. So in the light of that Andaman crisis, the Bali uh, process, in fact, uh, invoked emergency measures, which for a call for consultative mechanism and coordinate better responses between, you know, the origin countries, the transit countries and the destination countries, provide better uh, uh, coordination in search and rescue, facilitate settlements, you know, and better coordination also to deal with people smugglers. And, and unfortunately, in the past few years, maybe maybe because of the, you know, uh, COVID and so on, this Bali process has not really been terribly active. Yes, I was going to ask you how effective it's been and what's been happening with it. But so it, so, so it sounds like it's sort of withered on the vine a little bit. 
it's withered on the vine a bit, you know, because uh, among others, because, you know, uh, because of the COVID, probably because of the ministers have not met. And uh, now they're going to meet uh, again after after several years in Adelaide, the home state of um, uh, the Australian foreign minister. So uh, Indonesian foreign minister and uh, the uh, Australian foreign minister will be co- uh, co-chairing the Bali process meeting in Adelaide. So hopefully, you know, they will try to reform and strengthen the Bali process and revitalize it and to have a better regional response. Because at the moment, uh, it's individual response from different countries have a different policy. So Dewey's pointed there to uh, a lack of regional coordination. Uh, John, Johnny, who is bearing the brunt of dealing with the refugee crisis of the Rohingya and how effective is the response, the international response to this crisis? I would say it's a it's a really bare minimum response. I would say it's a zero to nothing from my understanding. Of course, there are some uh, humanitarian assistance happening in Bangladesh, but uh, like that's not enough. If they if if the assistance were enough, people wouldn't have to resort to human smuggler and lo- and lost their life on in the oceans, right? So the international response is not really enough. And if we look back, I was a refugee in this country. I've been a refugee like in, in a few of these, like in Indonesia, Malaysia, and I've seen the situation pretty much. Like the governments, all the agencies that are working, you know, in the regions are not really, really like working to resolve the problem. And they are, I would be a bit critical because I have seen the reality of the situation. I've seen how the governments are dealing with the situation. I would say they are all uh, complicit in their own agenda, in their own interest. And they only 10% of the help goes to the refugees, I would say. And if if that was not the case, I would not have been in detention like for 10 years. I would not have been in like in Indonesia, indefinite limbo, like for 10 years without any solution. If Australia was, uh, you know, let's say what uh, Bali process and all these resettlement uh, regional corporations were really affecting the, uh, in resolving the refugee situation. So I would say it's, uh, I would says maybe 10 percent uh, reasonable uh, uh, percentage happening to uh, affect the refugee situation and and that 90 percent is going to their own interest and agenda in in in, in resolving in, in in resolving the issue and the people that are uh, involved in working for the refugees on Sunday extra we're discussing the Rohingya refugee crisis with Professor Dewi Fortuna Anwar researcher at Indonesia's National Research and Innovation Agency and John Joniad co-founder of humansinflight.org and a Rohingya refugee writer and activist uh, Recently, uh, the NGO Fortify Rights and survivors of alleged human rights abuses at the hands of the Myanmar military have filed a criminal complaint in Germany against the junta. Uh, Do Dewi or John, do you think that an action like that uh, has potential in terms of bringing justice uh, or at least attention to the plight of the Rohingya and other ethnic minorities in Myanmar? It's it's a good move. Uh, It would, you know, because sometimes, because of the Russian-Ukraine uh, crisis and then you know, the Ukrainians and other largest refugees, uh, their attention has tended to be diverted more to Europe and, and less to mm. what is happening in, in in Southeast Asia. So that kind of action in Germany, I think, would remind people that we still have this huge crisis uh, in, in the uh, Indo-Pacific region. But whether it will be effective, 
in the short term, it's not going to do anything much because the hunter is not paying attention even to to ASEAN, of which it is a member. But, you know, anything that reminds people of the crisis uh, would be helpful. And Dewey, John began by pointing out the, the reality of statelessness for Rohingya and the fact that, therefore, there needs to be a permanent solution. Mm-hmm. What would it take to actually make a genuine effort to provide a lasting and just resolution for the situation that the Rohingya currently face? Yeah, uh, I mean, we, we have to accept that reality. I mean, ideally, uh, you know, the ultimate solution, clearly, you know, that these people can return to, to Rakhine State and be regarded as, you know, a, a full citizens, recognised as full citizens of Myanmar. And uh, when when uh, ASEAN deals and the international community deals with the hunter and the restoration of democracy in Myanmar, I think, you know, the, the, the fates of the Rohingya uh, should also be part of that negotiation. So I, I, I would argue that, you know, uh, do not simply give endorsement to this genocide and this expulsion policy of, of, of the military, uh, because clearly, you know, that is what they like. But uh, at, at the end of the day, I think that Myanmar is also uh, needs to be forced to accept, you know, that the, the Rohingyas uh, are also part of Myanmar. So I said any long-term political solutions of Myanmar, the, the civilian leaders who re- want to return to power need to bear their responsibility as well. Uh, this could be a long-term process. And in the meantime, the situations of refugees need to be improved. Most of the Southeast Asian countries are not signatory to the UN Convention on Refugees. And uh, the treatment of refugees uh, in different Southeast Asian countries are different. In Malaysia, they are allowed to work, while in Indonesia, they are not allowed to work. Recently, there have, there have been some improvement in the treatment that children of refugees are allowed education. Uh, in the past, they are not allowed to. So clearly, you know, there have been there should be better regional coordination international you know uh, despite the fact that uh, countries that do not sign UN refugees uh, there's still humanitarian responsibilities and australia as a signatory to uh, to the UN refugee council clearly need to set up to its responsibility uh, and and overturn you know the the policy under the morrison government uh, which you know dealt very repressively and and only tried to turn the boats uh, away, make uh, detentions uh, overseas, uh, which actually is not very good for for Australia's international standing. Yes, indeed, and it certainly does seem that the Australian response is uh, by no means proportionate to the scale of displacement and suffering that's occurred um, for the Rohingya. Thank you very much to both our guests today, Professor Dewi Fortuna Anwar. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks also to you, John Johnian. You're welcome, and thank, thank you, you for much. having me. And Professor Dewi Fortuna Anwar is researcher at Indonesia's National Research and Innovations Agency, uh, joining us from Jakarta, and John Joniad, a new permanent resident of Canada, Rohingya refugee writer and activist, and co-founder of humansinflight.org. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.